Hello, and welcome back to It's Symbolic, helping you find your next hyperfixation. I'm Jacob Savage. I'm Mir. I'm Ben. I apologize in advance. I did not realize this when I was putting together the schedule. Apparently, we're a hotel podcast now. <laughs> That's okay. That's kind of a fun thing. Yeah, like, all hotels all the time. It can be like our theme for July or August, I guess, when this comes out. Yeah, next week we're talking about Faulty Towers, and after that, four rooms, and then we're going to review the Embassy Suites down the way. God, I hope they, I hope I can get like free cookies or something from them. That'd be nice. Oh, do they God. do that? Are, are they one of the ones that do that? I, I don't know. Who was it that... I, I know <laughs> this is sort of going a... into a tangent, but last time uh, I was at Jacob's place, I found this pack of licensed B-movie-themed playing cards that he received from some hotel chain. <laughs> Which one was yes. that again? I, I'm pretty sure that was the Embassy Suites that I just mentioned. Yeah, wow. Wow. They had swans in the lobby and B-movie-themed playing cards. What else could you want? They were honeycomb-shaped, by the way, of course. Oh, so yeah. not really a very convenient uh, shape for playing cards if you're trying to, like, <laughs> hold them. But you have to appreciate their devotion to, like, you know, the theming there. Maybe Jerry Seinfeld himself came up with the idea. Oh, perhaps. Speaking of B-movie, um, in, like, listening to our earlier episodes in... Episode two, I sort of completely forgot that B-movie existed. (laughs) I'm constantly reminded of that movie's existence nowadays, so I'm not really sure how that happened. I don't know how that happened either. Anyways, I'll tell you about one hotel that won't give you complimentary B-movie playing (laughs) cards. Wait, are we ready to segue yet, or did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, I, I want to uh, hear you, how you pull this off. No, you can splice it together, because uh, I already set up the, 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 the... I did the setup, and now here's the punchline. <clears throat> Hotel Dusk. Have fun piecing that one together, jackass. <laughs> you know I won't. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It'll be a gag. Do you want right. to? Do you have something you wanted to say before I, I take the reins here? I mean, not really. I'm curious to hear what you have to say. This is sort of your thing. You've sort of used picture of the protagonist as your avatar on social media for at least five years. You know, I was really hoping you wouldn't out the fact that I still have, like, a Facebook profile picture that's a cartoon character. I didn't say Facebook. I didn't say Facebook. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) In my defense. You just played your own. (laughs) In my defense. In my defense. I refuse to give off the vibe that um, I have ever used Facebook since 2013. And changing my profile picture at this point would be too much evidence in that favor. So at this point, my hands are tied. <laughs> Anyways, yes, this is a game that I'm very fond of myself. I can't say it's one that uh, I was there on the ground floor for, but it was one that I picked up maybe six or seven years ago now. Uh, you know, it was probably already regarded as a bit of a cult hit at that point. It was something that was probably on my radar for a while, just because it's kind of a, a striking looking game um and eventually i finally got around to checking it out and it you know resonated with me a lot so i'll take things back a bit um this is a ds game should should i put in some flashback music there's probably flashback music right you'll figure something Um, out okay i'll go ahead and mention now uh jacob has promised uh for our breaks for our uh, audio interludes this episode, because there's no spoken dialogue, everything is done in text, that we are introducing the It's Symbolic Players to reenact. <laughs> I, I dubbed that, I, I dubbed them with that name now. I hope that's acceptable. I'm not sure. The It's Symbolic sure. I'll, Company Players. I'll have to go players. through the union, but... <laughs> but... The trademark's not in yet, so it's all good. Anyways, yeah. uh, Jacob has promised voiced recreations, uh, which I'm sure will be up to... Our highest standards. Maybe I can deduce my fist to your face, but that would shut you up. And God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just all over the place today. 
Once again, good luck trying to piece this together. So, it's uh, it's published by Nintendo. If you don't know Nintendo, then you're probably pretty hopeless for the rest of this episode, and I apologize in advance. As most games for the DS were. As, well, no. <laughs> this is actually like um, Nintendo funded this. Oh, like okay. themselves. But it is developed by this company called Sing, uh, which you should probably not be too familiar with. One of the reasons being they don't exist anymore. So in reference to Sing, they've... Uh, I don't know exactly when they were founded, but fortunately I'm on Wikipedia, so let's see. <laughs> they are founded in 1999. There you go. But um, Only the highest actually, standards. Yeah. They, they really only lasted about like... 10 years or so, so I certainly don't blame you for not knowing them. Um, but some of the people who were involved with Sing, some of the key figures, go back in the gaming industry a lot longer than that. So one of the uh, main scenario designers uh, and writers for Sing go- uh, is named Rika Suzuki. Uh, she actually has a pretty long history uh, in the... Uh, as far as games and specifically adventure or mystery games go um hold on i actually need to pull up the name of the one of the games that she worked on because i don't remember offhand sorry for this (laughs) (laughs) so how's it going (laughs) (laughs) y'all you're the dead weight here okay there we go i got this so rika suzuki made her name uh first working on the Dragon Quest games, actually. From the very beginning, from the first Dragon Quest, she had uh, her hand in the series. Uh, and from there, she then went Which on... Which is one of those ga- series that you either know nothing about or know everything about. Or in other words, you're either Japanese or you're not. Because, <laughs> you know, if you live in Japan, Dragon Quest is probably one of the biggest names in games. And if you don't, If you live in the U.S., we got a game where they play the stock market. God, that's a good game. We only got one of them, though. Japan got a lot more. (laughs) God, I love Fortune Street. Anyways, um, but then uh, as far as adventure games go, uh, there's the one she worked on goes by the name of J.B. Harold. None of them, this is a series, and none of them ever came out in the West, so I wouldn't blame you if you don't know. And she did this uh, with a company called uh, River Hill Software. And then the other name I want to bring up is Taisuke Kanasaki, who, uh, prior to joining Sing, uh, worked for this company called Technosoft. You may or may not know, probably, well, you probably don't know, but uh, for, for any listeners out there, they worked on this game series of shooters called Thunder Force, which is probably the biggest name that they're known of. And uh, for Sing, he does a lot of stuff, honestly. In addition to doing art, uh, he also directs a lot of the games so he sort of wears a lot of hats around there so before uh nintendo had i guess commissioned sing to work on games for them their only published game is this point and click adventure game for ps2 called glass rose which i don't know a whole lot about myself it did actually release in english but in europe only and this was with that seems to be a running theme with the games we discuss here boy that not that's not going to be the end of it believe me this is where that came from today (laughs) anyways finally getting to what we're talking about actually not quite i lied first hotel dusk wasn't actually their first game with nintendo um early on in the ds's life uh they released this game called another code or if you lived in the u.s called trace memory which was this very short honestly adventure game where uh, part of the deal was that a lot of the uh, interactions with the game involved these little touchscreen mini games that were basically making use of the DS hardware. I like it a good bit. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a great game just because it's really... (laughs) No, well, just because it's really short and it's sort of like a proof of concept in some capacities, but it has a lot of charm. I like it a good deal. That really early DS feel where (laughs) everything is on the touch screen. Yeah, there's definitely some of that. So I get the feeling that that's sort of why Nintendo picked picked them up in the first place. They wanted something that would really 
sell the touchscreen feature and they wanted an adventure game developer just because touchscreens and point and click stuff sort of goes hand in hand. Yeah. So, uh, I guess it must have done decently enough because two years later, uh, Nintendo and Sing partnered once again on the game Hotel Dusk. Name's Kyle Hyde. It's been three years since I quit the force and left New York. Now I'm a salesman for this outfit called Red Crown. Full title, Hotel Dusk, Room 215. Or if you're in Japan, Wish Room. That's right. For reasons uh, that will become apparent. Yes. So upon looking at the game, a few things will probably become uh, apparent to you, first of all. One of those would be the style of the game itself. They're very much not shy about admitting that it is heavily inspired by AHA's Take On Me music video. Uh, And, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. Basically, all the characters I'll be honest, that didn't hit me until just now. (laughs) It really didn't. No. I'm surprised. Because I've watched enough Linklater movies to be accustomed to the style. <laughs> right. But, you know, that was very directly the inspiration. All the characters are drawn in pencil, and uh, they're basically constantly... I don't know how to describe it. They're constantly moving. Like, they've, they've redid all the portraits several times so that they would basically constantly be sort of jittering around. Yeah, it's And it's all rotoscoped. Yes, it's all rotoscoped. So, um... To be honest, uh, I want to know who the models were. Yeah, so there's we, actually... We get to see some footage for other games that the company did, but we don't really know any of yeah, the exactly. models for this one, at least not that I could find. Yeah, so they actually mentioned a bit about their process for uh, creating the animations for the game. The very first thing they actually do is do character sketches. So they will design the characters you know, by hand in a pretty normal sense, first of all. But then after that, they look at um, these books containing lots of different models and find ones that they think, you know, give off the same vibe or will suit that character design that they created. Then they'll go and record footage of them and then trace over it to create the animations. It's a really interesting process. And uh, the video that they created showing off that process was for uh, another game of theirs, uh, The Last Window. And having played it, it's very bizarre almost suddenly seeing all these real-life versions of the characters, and it's just like, holy shit, this guy's real, or like, oh my god, exactly. this fucker is real. If I saw him on the street, <laughs> I would just deck him. What's that? Why am I staying here? I don't think I need to explain myself to you. It's extremely, uh, it's extremely odd to just have these real versions of characters. Though I guess less so nowadays, now that a lot of games use, like, big-name actors and stuff for characters. Though I guess those are, like, big-name ones, and you recognize yeah. the character as being that actor and not vice versa. Anyways, did I mention the other unique thing yet? I don't remember at this point. I don't point. believe you have. Okay, yeah, so the other unique one would be that it's uh, a DS game that you hold horizontally, I guess. I see some people say it's vertically, but basically it's the wrong way. Yeah. So I see it described as being like a book. There's a few games that have used this style, but... Yeah, I know there's a few. I can't name any off the top of my head. Yeah, well, Rhythm Heaven for DS oh, did. Duh. Um, did, uh, Pokemon Troze? I never played Pokemon Troze. Let me see. I'm I'm a fake gamer. I'm sorry. Oh, no. This guy hasn't fucking played Pokemon Troze. I can't believe that. (laughs) But if if I'm wrong, then I'll just have wasted our time anyways. (laughs) Let me see. Do-do-do. Come on. Nope, I was wrong. Sorry for wasting your time. (laughs) Wow! Wow! <laughs> shame! If you can think shame. of any games that you hold the DS like that for, be sure to leave us a comment, and I'll mention it next time. <laughs> Anyways, so it sort of used this setup so that when you're basically navigating the world, you would see uh, a 3D representation of it on the left screen and an overhead view of it on the right screen, and you would touch the right screen with the overhead view to move around, whereas during conversations, you would have one character appear on the left screen and one on the right screen facing each other. So that's kind of very innovative, especially given I feel like not enough DS games made full use of that where the two screens are just completely separate, but somewhat important displays in a sense. Like the only other ones that come immediately to mind are like the world ends with you and touch detective, especially I get that sort of vibe. 
I appreciate that as like one of the few people who have played Touch Detective that you can give us that uh that yeah. Are, are you speaking that as one of the on few it. people that's played Touch Detective, or are you calling me out as one of the few people that played? Oh, Touch you Detective? are one of the few people. I have not played it, <laughs> so I appreciate that perspective you can offer. <laughs> that's what I bring. That's why yes, I'm here. Yes. So, um, I don't know how to go about this. I don't necessarily want to go like point for point over the story because I don't necessarily want to spoil all of it. But I'll try to just go over some some highlights of what the game offers so i mean if you just preemptive should we just say don't come back until you played hotel dusk well i don't don't want your kind well no this is just as much an advertisement i suppose (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean if you're interested i definitely recommend going and playing it if not you can listen and maybe i'll say something that'll change your mind yeah (laughs) i think you should play it but um you know, like I said, I still don't want to get into spoilers too much if I can manage to avoid it. But I think I can generally get across what I'm trying to without doing so. All right. So the general setup of the game is that you play as an ex-NYPD cop called Kyle Hyde. Basically, he left the force after he thought he was uh, backstabbed by his partner in the force uh, and was forced to shoot him. Uh, he had thought that he was dead at this point, but he had evidence that led him to believe that he was still alive and out there. As a result, he decided to move on out to California uh, and work for a sales company that an old cohort of his father's founded. Except on the side, this company also uh, sort of investigates cases, I guess you could say. The phrasing they use in the game is they uh, find things that aren't supposed to be found or something like that. don't want to be found, I believe. Thank you. That's it. That's it. So basically, it's some sort of, like, independent investigation. Well, I wouldn't dream of speaking for the boss, but I trust you. Out there, all alone, working hard, busting your tail to get things done. At least I think that's what you're doing. So, uh, he receives a tip that, you know, there's a secret hidden at this place called the Hotel Dusk. So, Kyle goes on over to investigate. You know, checks in and he finds himself, uh, in this web of mystery, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yes. It's all see. very neo noir. It's, it's, yes. Yes. It's a very, like, it's, there's this hard boiled vibe. All the music is, like, you know, very jazzy. There's this sort of, like, washed out, uh, oil painting aesthetic to a lot of it as well. It's a very cool game aesthetically. It's the sort of thing where, yeah, especially. like, I've definitely had you know, some nights, like, sitting by the fireplace with a cup of tea playing it, which is sort of like, I, I know you you really can't pull off looking classy playing a DS game, but this is probably Especially like... Especially one where you have to hold it sideways. <laughs> this is probably the closest you can come. So it definitely is a really cool vibe about it that I like a lot. Swirl the deep amber around the glass and listen to the music of the ice. It smells of good earth with hints of charcoal dancing around the edges. First sip is a slow burn. I sit for a moment, letting the fire spread through me. So naturally, you know, over the course of the game, you don't necessarily know what the mystery it is that you're trying to solve. So it's kind of different than a lot of mystery games in that respect. It's not necessarily... Exactly. All we really know is that, in this case, Kyle is looking for his ex-partner, Brian Bradley. Yeah, and and he has reason to believe that, you know, he had been at this hotel. I'll be honest, I... Dude, I actively try not to be that person, and I'm not, that reads the subtext into everything, but Kyle is totally pining after Bradley. <laughs> no, there's definitely... I, I mean, that's definitely not the first time I've heard it. There's... Yeah, uh, he ends every chapter of the game with a monologue that just finds its way back to Bradley somehow. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't... She's lost but... an eye. It reminds me of your eyes, Bradley. So no, I definitely wouldn't piercing. put that past. Yeah, I definitely nope. wouldn't put that past things based off of the yeah the tone of a lot of things. I could see, yeah, Kyle could be some good by representation. There you go. <laughs> the taste of gin and vermouth lingers on my lips. The only kiss I've known in years. And then I hear Bradley's voice in my head. The game makes it very clear that you know they're very close, and if there is any lead that he could pick up to try to discover his whereabouts, he would pursue that relentlessly. But in general, we don't necessarily have 
much in the way of a lead on what he was doing there or what significance it could bring. So for most of the game, you're sort of just going around uh, encountering the residents of, not I guess not residents because the hotel, but the occupants of the hotel at the time. Yeah. A bunch of people who for various reasons have been brought to this place as well. And naturally you would find all have these links between them and links to the hotel itself that Which, sort of unravel themselves. I don't. I didn't have any connection to people when I lived in a dorm. Just <laughs> I know, the thought right? of everyone in the hotel, where you're expected to be with strangers in particular, being connected in some way. Yeah, God knows if I were in a hotel, I would be doing absolutely everything I could to just avoid contact with anyone else. Like, God, yeah, please don't. And say- everyone is talking with strangers. Like, even I mean, if someone were to say hi to me in the halls, I would just be like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. The game took place in, what, 78, 79? Yeah. You know, video games weren't invented yet. The good old days when people weren't just looking at their phones all the time, am I right? Millennials. Instead, they were just jackasses to each other. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that sort of gets into, uh, Kyle's a bit of an abrasive fellow, as are a lot of the residents of the apartment, so... One of the first things Kyle does in this game is talk down to and berate a 10-year-old rather harshly. He makes her cry, but then it was revealed that it was actually all a ruse and she was playing him. So that's just sort of the sort of thing you can expect here. I'm done, okay? You happy? Thrilled. I'm sorry. I'm so... I'm so sorry. (laughs) Please don't hurt me. Fine. Yeah, whatever. But eventually, you know, people unwittingly find themselves, you know, going to Kyle for help in their issues and... Or in some cases, him forcing his way into them. <laughs> yeah, sometimes with a bit of force. But in the end, you know, he they, they warm up to him and, you know, they begin to open up about themselves more and more. And that's sort of, I think, the thing that carries the momentum of this game. I will say it's a very slow burn of a game. Oh, certainly. The thing that pretty much draws you from point to point is doing tasks for other people. Occasionally, it'll be broken up by, like, doing investigation or going into, like, parts of the hotel that you're not supposed to be going into. But a lot of it is just talking with the other residents, helping them out with whatever their issues are. And it'll feel like, you know, whenever you're about to go do something to help solve one thing, someone else will come to you with something else and you'll get sidetracked. So I can see how that might be frustrating to some people. But at the same time, I think a lot of the main appeal is, you know, finding out these stories of the other residents and just sort of seeing their relationships with Kyle develop. Yeah, it does become a bit routine. The way it stands is that almost every chapter ends with an interrogation of sorts Mm -hmm. where Kyle confronts one of the other guests or staff and their secrets steadily get revealed. Mr. Hyde, may I implore you for a favor? Would you lend your ear to a sad and shameful story? Which becomes a yeah. bit repetitive in a sense, but I like that grounding force. Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily follow uh, a strict outline. Like, you know, some detective games might have things broken up into cases or something like that, but this isn't really like that, other than I think each chapter is like a day. An hour. But, you know. The whole game is a day. Some days might be more eventful than others. Some hours. Oh, yeah. I guess that's right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was confusing things with uh, its sequel, which I'll get to later. It's, yeah, Yeah. hour by hour. It is also sort of interesting. It is entangled, but looking back over it, there's sort of like four different subplots going on between the different guests. Yeah, there's definitely... It's... It can be a a lot to keep track of. Yeah, I'm sure that we'll get more into detail. And some of these characters find a way to be awful in multiple subplots. What do you know? So, most I would say that most of the characters in the first game end up. There's not that many that end up being like explicitly bad people. I feel like most of the uh, negative forces in the game are characters who only know the names of and don't really get to see. But, there were some characters that I absolutely hated. <laughs> like, I wanted to yeah. punch Martin Summer so goddamn bad. <laughs> Every time! 
Just when uh, you that's, think that's that writers, things... man. Oh, I deduce. I was so certain of it. Well, I'm certain that you're an idiot, and only one of us is right. That you couldn't deduce your way out of a wet paper sack. You know, um, I, I don't know if I know of a writer in media that isn't a completely self-absorbed jackass. But yeah, that's fair. This guy takes the cake. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Anything you want to mention about it? Before I sort of go into my thoughts, um, because um, I mean, I don't know if you wanted to delve more into like the plot or the gameplay or anything. Yeah, but sure. I'm just... I mean, there is the aspect of one of the overarching mysteries that's introduced right at the beginning is this mute girl named Mila. Yeah. Okay. Who there you go. Hyde first sees her on the side of the road in the prologue, but then somebody else picks her up and takes her there and. She can't speak, but she has a bracelet that belonged to Bradley. Well, she might be a bit too old to be called lost, but she sure looks out of place. I heard she was just standing on the side of the road, poor thing! Interestingly, uh, Mila also bears a resemblance to uh, Ashley, who's the name of the protagonist of uh, Another Code. But that's a- that's just a coincidence. Though, the two games are actually in the same universe and uh, oh, I'm sure. have references to one another. Yeah, overall, you get really embroiled in the lives and mysteries of these, I want to say, dozen or so characters. Less than that. And a lot of them, it's not the sort of game where you consistently discover new areas or new people. It's very front-loaded in that regard. Yeah. Sort of I, like, well, new areas you find out, but... Yeah. Well, every so often you go to, like, you know, an area of the hotel that you're not supposed to go to or something like that. But generally you're going through the same halls pretty often. Yeah. But you eat these, I want to say, like, half-dozen guests and a few staff. Like, there's a little girl and her father where the mother ran off and they're trying to find her. There's the author who is there to pick up some research. There's the bellhop who is an ex-criminal from New York who knows Hyde. There's Jeff Angel who's a complete and total fuckboy. <laughs> Are you trying to be funny? Are you laughing at me? Well, laugh this off. I'm calling the front desk and getting the police over here. Yeah, there's a few fuckboys, but that's yeah, that's life. I mean, the only character that isn't screwed up in some way is the maid. She just wants to help. What? Me? What am I doing? What's it look like I'm doing? I'm cleaning. Work my fingers to the bone, but you think this place stays clean? Of course not. Know why? One of our guests is a slob, that's why. Even if that help means kicking you out of the hotel in some instances. Yeah, that does happen. Uh, game overs are relatively uncommon, but you can do a fair number of things that will result in Kyle getting kicked out of the hotel. Or in one case, you lose the game because you cause one of the guests to leave early, and the mm-hmm, right. owner of the hotel hates him so much that... He invites Kyle to the bar, and the mystery is never solved because they spent the rest of the night getting drunk. God. Good shit. More games need to have endings like that. Right? Uh, I'd probably play more games in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let it bother you, Mr. Hyde. Truth be told, I never liked that puffed up fool. I never knew when to shut up. Yeah, David Cage, listen up. (sighs) Sorry, I need every game-related episode needs a David Cage call out. I'm sorry. Mm. I mean, not that he doesn't deserve it, but <laughs> exactly. Um, let's see. So, I feel like that generally covers a lot of the main points. Like, that's a like you know thousand-foot overview of the game. Yeah, there's... do you want to go into like some thoughts or anything? There's a lot of detail, and as he said, I don't want to spoil too much, because it does take some turns. We'll say that the big event of the game is an art heist a few years back that mm-hmm. casts a shadow over a good portion, and, you know, ties into the oil painting aesthetic that pointed out. Danny was gonna lift this angel painting from Niles' hideout, you know? But all he did was get himself killed. I'll admit, there were things I saw coming, some things I didn't. Characters I did not expect to feel sorry for. (laughs) Yeah. I generally feel like there's a pretty good job of whenever a character is intended to be sympathetic, they generally, you know, that generally comes across well enough. But, like, there's definitely some characters who are just supposed to be assholes, and that's how they leave off. Oh, yes. 
I mean, I did appreciate it. It's a bit corny, but I did like how the game does end with an Ace Attorney-style overview where you get to see each of the characters one last time. Oh, I always love when games do that, yeah. The credits also lead off with a listing of the characters, which is a bit silly. <laughs> oh, trip. This is like finding out your girl's your sister or something. It's messed up. So I don't know, any, any thoughts you wanted to voice? I mean, and I'm sure that you have some big analysis tying it into the Japanese cultural norms of the time. I mean, I really don't, honestly. <laughs> you know, it does stand out in regards to, for one, its usage of the Nintendo DS functions. Yeah, it does a good job of it. For example, you have the option to use Hyde's notebook and take notes. Oh yeah, I forgot about but, that. And there's some instances where other characters will actually write in it as well. Yes, exactly. And those sketches or notes will forever appear in your menu. Yeah. <laughs> Mila, can you write? Here. Write down the name of the person that gave you the bracelet. Write it here. But you know, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, that this was something that used the DS hardware in a unique way because this was a part of Nintendo's uh, Touch Generations line of games. Yeah which I don't know if you're familiar with, it was sort of this uh, line of unique sort of quote-unquote less gamey games <laughs> uh, that were basically meant to uh, appeal to a wider audience uh, and, you know, sort of expand the notion of just like sort of what qualifies no, as sure. a game. So Brain you have Age. Stuff like, yeah, Hotel Dusk, Brain Age, um, Elite Beat Agents, uh, uh, Clubhouse Games. It's sort of the stuff that they thought might appeal to a wider audience. And uh, this was a component of that. Yeah, I don't recall a time where I have been as impressed with the dual screen function. I think the last time I was that impressed with unique usage of that was probably the ending of Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. Saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that just because they're both visual novels. I mean, this one isn't even really a visual novel. It's more pointing. It's play. an adventure game. Same thing. Another aspect that we yet to mention is that the particular room that Kyle is staying in is said to grant wishes. Yep, yep. the namesake of the game in Japan. Yes, wish room. If you got something you want, I mean, really want, you may just find it tonight. You follow? That's the story. That's room 215. It's the place where wishes are granted. I don't know, would you be more likely to play a game called Wish Room over Hotel Dusk? I think Hotel Dusk probably does a better job of capture, capturing the vibe of the game, honestly. And to be fair, they are both names that appear within the game itself. I think Nintendo made a good call in changing the name to Hotel Dusk. I feel like that sort of gives off that more, like, you know, hard-boiled detective vibe over yeah, Wish Room. And, yeah. And it's a very... That's the only really fantastic element that comes into play. Everything else is very gritty and... Like I said, very film noir. Right. I don't know. It could be a reflection of Japanese analysis of American media. They, yeah, they could of... just like noir. Yeah, no, I, I'm always really interested in, you know, Japanese games that sort of delve into Americana like this. Because it's sort of like, it's an interesting perspective into their view on things. Yeah, I and... can't name too much else besides the Mother series, but... Yeah, you have Mother series, you have a lot of... Uh, uh, Swearies games, like uh, Deadly Premonition and D4. Mm. Those sort of things, I just think it's interesting. I, I don't know. All I really know about, offhand at least, about Japanese consumption of American culture is that they really like Twin Peaks. So, <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, right? Yeah. Pussy, uh, any, any other just sort of thoughts on your experience? I, I played through this game in a weekend, which may not be how it's supposed to be played. <laughs> I mean, it's fairly but, short, honestly. Yeah, the game's about 10, 15 hours. Uh, yeah, I was looking at, like, uh, a long play on YouTube, and it's maybe, like, yeah, 15 or so. And at the same time, it's all very... You don't find yourself waiting to find out when you're going to get to the end of the chapter. I mean, granted, I also played with a walkthrough because I did not have the time for... <laughs> 
There's this. definitely some obtuse adventure game logic at points in the game. Yes. And there's you know, even th- this obtuse. little girl is locked in a hotel room and is crying out, I think I'll go to the restaurant. Yeah. There's a lot of trial and error. And there's some parts where you can even accidentally screw yourself if you, like, forget to do some things. I know I had this happen. I know you had it happen, Jacob. Oh, yes. <laughs> the, the final puzzle you need... Well, you don't need, but it's a lot easier with the help of an item that is very easy to not even notice. I didn't even know it was in there. And like I said, I used to walk through. Yeah, I so. missed this item as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I definitely it, don't think there's any harm in using a walkthrough. It's also, like you said, a slow burn, but a very quick game, as it is split into factions and hour. Yeah, every chapter is an hour, works. but... You get intermittent reminders where after enough event flags, it's just, oh, now it's 6.20, now it's 6.40. There's one point where 20 minutes of the chapter are just spent essentially talking about the meal that Kyle had for dinner. Yeah. Now, this game is very into its uh, prose, which I honestly, I like a lot. I think it's a well-written game. It's definitely one that you wouldn't be able to tell is originally a Japanese game based off of the writing, I think. The localization is just like really solid it feels like it was written in english oh yeah definitely i don't think that there were any instances that really stood out to me as awkward translation for the most part no it's really it's the the dialogue's well written the prose is well written i really like how the game is written i will admit that i feel that it's a better story than a game in some senses where no, absolutely some aspects say one particular instance you need to rewind a cassette tape with a pencil, and the interface just did not want to cooperate with me. It's, oh, there's definitely a few puzzles where it took me like you don't know 15 minutes. Or it's very sensitive. Yeah, no, I've had problems with that as well. But it's also simultaneously the sort of thing where I'm. It's not the sort of thing that I wouldn't want to be a game either. Like, I'm glad that it's using that medium as well. Yeah, and. I do admittedly really want to see more examples of video games that are more story-driven. I'm sure so many people have said this by this point. Testing the limits of what could be done with the medium. So I know you didn't really get to play it or anything, Mir, but you you said you saw a bit of it, you did a bit of research. You know, any two cents you have to offer? Uh, I don't know. My presence on this episode is kind of useless because oh, I honestly did. It's never useless. I did very little research. Um, I didn't even really get halfway into the first part of the long play. Um, that's okay. You, I think that's enough to give off to get like the vibe of things at least. Yeah, but I do. I am intrigued. Um. I kind of, I feel like I would be interested in playing this, at least, like, a little, because I am often not interested in games, just sort of in general. In games, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No fun allowed. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That's okay. Nobody wants to be a gamer. Stuff that's kind of more like a story you're just sort of interacting with, I guess, I'm sort of into. Yeah, no, I definitely it's get that. A lot more like, you know, those old point-and-click games that had their heyday back in, like, the DOS era of the 90s. Yeah. I liked those. So. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a bit different from Humongous Entertainment, but... <laughs> God. But no, I think, yeah. With, with it, know, goes to the hotel desk. Using, a, uh, using the touch interface and being part of the touch generations line, it was sort of meant to expand outside of the general audiences. And... It must have done that to some extent because apparently it did pretty pretty well, not super yeah, well. I, I but, will admit you know, it pretty does decently. a very good job with its character writing. My opinion of characters shifted throughout, even if some of them I thought were mostly scum. Yeah, there were a few that didn't do like, anything this... wrong. And <laughs> I'll admit the yeah. very ending I... made me a bit sentimental. Oh, definitely, and. It's kind of different from your standard visual novel in that the characters aren't really, like, sort of, you know, really, like, overblown, like, you know, character archetypes or anything like that. Oh. They're more just sort of, like, you know, people who had a bunch of shit happen, I guess. Yeah. I mean, which ties into the rotoscope dart style as well. It's grounding. Yeah. 
And it also yeah, makes it maybe. really awkward whenever they give you something because they just hold their palm <laughs> out and the item is superimposed on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> it works better for some uh, than for others. <laughs> but anyways, speaking of it being human, I kind of want to go into the second game a little bit. Because like I said, it did pretty well, at least abroad. I don't know how well it did exactly in Japan, but abroad it did pretty decently. And it did eventually get a sequel. But before that, I need to mention some things that happened with Nintendo. Because if you live in America, you probably don't know it got a sequel because it didn't come out here. Mm-hmm. I will... So, t- Hotel Dusk came out in 2007. Later that year, there's this uh, Nintendo's big holiday games. Uh, you had Mario Galaxy, and then Mario Party 8, which you wouldn't think that Mario Party 8 would be something that would cause uh, a sequel to Hotel Dusk to not be localized. Or evoke any sort of emotion besides <laughs> complete and but surprisingly enough, <laughs> surprisingly enough, a Mario Party game got caught up in a pretty big scandal for Nintendo that sh- like shook up their localization division quite a bit. Wait, what? So yeah, no, I don't. I guess you didn't know this, but um, so there's this one line in Mario Party Eight where it's like uh. Like this board hazard or something, where it's like this magic Koopa who's re- like going off on this rhyme or something, where he's about to cast a spell to like rearrange the cabins on a train. And one of the lines he uses has the word spastic in it, which in Europe has some extremely negative connotations. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, and you hear that criticism was, to some degree in the US, but nowhere near as strong. Yeah. And normally, Nintendo of Europe uses Nintendo of America's localized scripts, but with alterations of, you know, spellings and stuff like that. And they didn't catch this and didn't change it. So as a result, Nintendo actually had to recall the game and move its launch date. Which, for a big holiday title like that, was a huge cost to them. And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily been said that this is a direct result of this having happened. But it's no coincidence that soon after that, Nintendo of Europe began localizing games separately from Nintendo of America. So Nintendo of America and Nintendo of Europe, for games that are localized internally, have entirely different scripts. And that's how you can tell that they just don't really care about the game, where they release the Nintendo of Europe version in the U.S., like, I remember that happening for, like, the Ace Attorney Professor Layton crossover, which uh, yeah, they yeah, clearly yeah. didn't care about. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a result of this, Nintendo could now release games only in Europe without cost to Nintendo of America for localizing them. So, in the following years, there was a huge trend of games that got localized only in Europe, but not in America, because Nintendo of America at this point was becoming really risk-averse. So, God, I could go on and on about the dozens of games that didn't get released in America, but did get translations in Europe. And two of Singh's games got caught up in this as well. There was you, another you just had to R. add that specific point. I was going to make a Mother 3 joke, and it was going to be hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. I know that there's a dearth of Mother 3 jokes out there. Yeah. But. So yeah, both the sequel to Another Code, Another Code R... Uh, the Wii game, did not come out in America, as well as The Last Window, which is the sequel to Hotel Dusk, which I think is a pretty huge shame, because I like it a good bit more than the original, actually. Oh! It's, um... To cover it very briefly, rather than taking place in a hotel, it takes place in uh, Kyle's uh, apartment that he lives in. Well, I don't that's kind of redundant, but <laughs> it takes place in Kyle's apartment that he has actually been living in since prior to the events of Hotel Dusk. This is a direct sequel to Hotel Dusk. And um, he finds out that the hotel is uh, being condemned, and he receives a note that he has to find the mystery of the hotel before it gets condemned and, you know then that sets him off on all this. And it's very similar uh, setup-wise. Like, you know, the routine, the gameplay cycle is very similar. But in general, the story is a lot more personal to Kyle, and a lot of the 
all, uh, all I really know is that uh, it's about his father rather than his partner. Yes. Yeah. So it's a very it's it's a story that's much more personal, I think, to Kyle and than some of the uh, other characters who are involved with Red Crown, the company that he works with. And um, at the same time, while very, very, very little uh, of you know cast or events from the first game are referenced, uh, the little that it does use them is extremely effective. Yeah, especially uh, since Hotel Dusk, it ends with a lot of things left unresolved. Yeah. I, I won't go into specifics, but there's a lot of mysteries that you don't find the answer to. You see how they tie in, but... And unfortunately, at the end of Last Window, there's still a lot that's not resolved. The game was set up for a sequel, but immediately following Last Window's release later that year, Sting filed for bankruptcy. Which a lot of people have kind of drawn comparisons to the fact that Last Window is about Kyle investigating this hotel, which is doomed to be closed down, but that was just sort of an unhappy coincidence in uh, Rika Suzuki's words. So the story's never been concluded. Uh, To sort of follow up on, that doesn't mean that, you know, nothing has been produced from the team since then, necessarily. Uh, So just a few years back in 2015, uh, Taisuke Kanasaki, who is the director and illustrator on the games, uh, he sort of roped together some former Sing folks to release this 3DS game called Chase Cold Case Investigations. Um, which actually did get localized as well. Looking at it, you would sort of say, like, is this sort of like a uh, Mighty Number no. 9 type situation where the original creator, like, does something that's really similar to the original, uh, because the protagonist looks a lot like Kyle, and his, he has a partner who sort of resembles, uh, like the, the secretary of the company that he worked with. But it's actually totally unrelated, and it's more of like a standard mystery game where you're like solving a crime. And it's also extremely short. It's just an hour long, and it sort of Jeez. feels like a proof of concept more than anything else. So because it's so short, I don't really have any strong attachment to it because i think part of the appeal of hotel dusk was you know the time you spend in this one place and you know seeing things develop and in an hour you really don't get that yeah so while it offers some promise there hasn't been anything heard about the project ever since uh taisuke kanasaki himself has generally been pretty quiet since then he has a patreon set up where you know he's he posts illustrations every so often just last week actually it was announced that uh he is doing illustration for uh a re-release of uh, one of his old company, Technosoft's games, uh, Thunder Force 4. He's doing some promotional illustrations for that, which is cool. And then uh, Rika Suzuki, uh, she moved on to this uh, company called, I think it's Bellwood. A company called Bellwood, um, which basically sort of does, I'm actually not 100% clear, I think it's like digital novels or something, like ebooks. <laughs> It's sort of weird. You look at their Twitter, and it's literally just like every day. It's just sort of like a tweet that's like "Good morning," and it's a picture, and it's just like a picture of landscapes and stuff like that. And their web page doesn't really tell you a whole lot. Maybe it's a landscape either. website. What you think of that? <laughs> no, it's supposed. To... <laughs> I guess you could be right, but um, you know, uh, and then just last year, she was the scenario writer of this uh mobile i think it was called it build itself as like a suspense rpg called black rose uh suspects which i really did not know much about until very recently but evidently it was already shut down uh and that's mobile games so now there's just like (laughs) very little information on it out there yeah so i don't know what she's up to now but she has said you know one day she wants to go back and finish kyle's story oh yeah that's up to nintendo because they own the ip yeah, and, and it's interesting sort of... because I've seen Nintendo reference it on occasion. Very rarely. The only reference I know uh, is that Kyle appeared as a trophy in uh, Super Smash Bros. Brawl. It is apparently the only animated trophy in Smash Bros. history. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like this flat image in Hotel Dusk style. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, it's not a flagship series in any sense, but I've seen it brought up. No, not at all. As... It definitely has a bit of a following at this point. Yeah, uh, Not a huge one, but it's definitely very fondly remembered as one of the gems of the DS era. And in particular, this era when Nintendo did more 
experimental stuff publishing for uh, other companies. Yeah, I feel like this is certainly not one of a kind. Yeah, I feel like they're starting to get back into that to some degree with the Switch, but... Kind of. There's some stuff like uh, Snipperclips was a cool example of them uh, picking up this uh, indie games project and sort of funding and helping it become the best it could be. And I would love to continue seeing more of that, but I feel like compared to the DS era, when there was just a whole lot of that... Oh, yes. It's not quite as prominent. Because everyone was jumping on what could be done with two screens, even though in most cases it was one big screen. Yeah. Now, I'm not optimistic that we'll ever see the end of this story, but, you know. Yeah, I mean... You just don't have to take these things as they are, I guess. We'll have to look into Last Window. I know it has a following as well. And what you said about Kyle, I'll be honest, I wasn't entirely endeared to him by the end of Hotel Dusk. I know that he's one (laughs) of your favorite characters, but... Yeah, he's definitely, like I said, abrasive. (laughs) Yeah. And so is everyone else in this universe. Isn't that so true? Yes. I'm glad you could cap us off with such a uh, (laughs) profound line like that. Yes. And we are also very abrasive. As you can see from our work, thank you for listening to It's Symbolic. If you have a suggestion for something for us to cover, you can contact us on Twitter at It's Symbolic PC or through email at It's Symbolic Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram, It's Symbolic Podcast, if you would like some visual aids for some of the things we discuss. Before we wrap up, I'd also like to give a special shout out to Mandy Barnes for helping me with the voice acting. I'm Jacob. I'm Mir. I'm Ben. Join us next time when we find out what the fuck is in New York's water system or whatever. I don't know. I don't understand this. I tried to do some preemptive research and I am just very confused. Probably piss. <laughs> alligators. Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles? Would, would, would there really be alligators who want to hang out in all that piss, though? <laughs> Don't kink shame the alligators. Please, when it's piss, nothing. Like, no holds barred here. I got myself a paperclip.